Father, we just lift up Pastor Ruth that you would bless her, anoint her, speak through her, Lord. Touch our hearts with your word. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Pastor friends of ours were on vacation. And their children, which they have three, were requesting ice cream. And they were bugging them. It, it seemed like their whole vacation, the most important thing was ice cream. And so finally, they were in Colorado, and they stopped at, I think it was Cripple Creek, a small community. And um, they were walking the streets looking for an ice cream shop. And they finally found one. They saw this this uh, ice cream shop and they went to go in they all went in except for the mom who was taking care of the dog and it wasn't like seconds later the dad came out and he's like well um uh, there's something going on in there could you go in because i'm my spirit's just going crazy and so the mom took or the dad took the dog and the mom went in and as soon as she walked in she saw all kinds of symbols of the occult and of new age stuff and she was like okay children let's let's exit this place and so they took it as a moment to teach their children and they started talking about what they had experienced and what was going on in that shop and their oldest son who was 17 said mom i felt like the lord spoke to me when we were in there that i need to to pray over one of the ladies in there and they said go for it son And so he went in, and he went to one of the clerks, and he said, Excuse me, ma'am, do you have a a pain in your leg? Is there something going on with your leg? And she goes, How did you know that? I've I've never told anybody. I never told anybody about that. And he says, Jesus loves you so much that he told me that so that I could pray for you. Can I pray for you? And she's like, well, um, yeah. And so he said, Jesus, I just asked you right now to touch this, this woman's leg and that you would bring healing to it. And then he, he said, amen. And he said, so how is it? And she's like, well, oh my goodness. There's no more pain. It, it's gone. I, I, I'm not feeling it at all. Well, I'm sure as soon as I get home, it'll be back again. But right now, it's It's fine. And he goes, tonight, when you get home, and you do not feel pain in your leg, I want you to remember something really important, that Jesus Christ loves you very much. And he left. Romans 10, 14 says this, and I'm reading just the last of the passage. It says, and how can they hear about Jesus unless someone tells them? How can they hear? In Jesus, in the book of Mark, at the very end of the book, the last chapter, almost the last verse, he says this to them. Go ye. Go ye into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. And these words are a part of the Great Commission, which are found in the book of Matthew and in the book of Mark. And both accounts add something. And today I want to focus on the 15th verse of Mark. Go ye into all the world and preach the gospel. So this, this 
thing, commission. What is it? A commission. It is an act of entrusting a person with an order. And so Jesus Christ has given you, you, an order. He's entrusting you with something from his heart to share with others. And it's called the Great Commission. And it it literally is this. It's really simple. Go and tell other people about Jesus. That's what it is. And Hudson Taylor, many of you have probably heard of him. He's a missionary to China many years ago. And this is what he said. The Great Commission is not an option to be considered. It's a command to be obeyed. I like that. So we, you and I, we are commissioned. We, we are commissioned with a mission. So I want you to turn to your neighbor and tell them you have a mission. Now I want you to tell, I want you to tell your other neighbor it's not a mission impossible. It's, an, it's actually a really easy mission. And this mission, should you choose to accept it, is to live Christ daily. That's what it is. As you go to school, as you go to work, as you walk through your neighborhood, as you visit your aging aunt in the nursing home, as you stand at the side of a soccer field, do you realize that all of those places are just as much mission fields as Africa? They are. So God's mission is that all the world, everywhere, all people, would know the love of God. That's the mission. And that great commission, it it sounds overwhelming, like almost difficult, like out of our league. But today, I want to do two things. I want to take the great commission and make it really easy for you. And I want you to know how to do it. Does that sound like a good plan? All right. So I want you to think about your life. And one of the mistakes as Christians that we make is that we separate our lives into multiple places. This is me at home, and this is me at the job, and this is me in the grocery store. Oh, this, this is me in the car. We, we make all these places that who we are, multiple places. We do something called compartmentalizing. And that is not what God has determined for you. It's not the way you were created. It's not what you're supposed to be. You're you're not designed to live that way. You are a spirit person first. (laughs) He touched you when you were conceived. And he made you a living being. You are a spirit person. And um, you are designed to live in his presence. Your being longs to be in his presence. It's who you are, and you'll always be that. And no matter what you're doing, no matter where you're at, you are still that person filled with the presence of the living God. And that's really the foundation of your life, and all that functions should come out of that place. That first, I'm a spirit being filled with the living presence of God, and then I'm a mother. From that place, I'm a worker. From that place, I'm an aunt, a soccer player. I'm all those things out of that place. You are a spirit person designed to live from his presence. 
And the, the Great Commission is actually about living from that place of his presence. Functioning from his presence. I was interested in a quote by Peter Marshall. Anybody ever heard of him before? He said this, If God does not enter your kitchen, there's something wrong with your kitchen. If you can't take God into your recreation, then there's something wrong with your play. We all believe that in the God of the heroic, what we need most these days is the God of the humdrum and the commonplace and the everyday. The God of the everyday. I want you to look at Psalms 140.13. Look at this verse. Surely the righteous shall give thanks to your, your name. And it says this, the upright shall dwell in your presence. You are the upright. You are intended to dwell in his presence. You see, we make a big mistake. We think that the great commission is this task or a job that we're commanded to do. You know, set aside some time here, go witnessing here, do this, there's. No, it's a lifestyle. The Great Commission is actually a lifestyle that we're called to live. It's a 24-7 thing. And I want to show you how that works and what that looks like. And who better for an example than Jesus, right? He's the best example we have. When he walked on the earth those 33 years, I remind you of this. He lived as a man. When he left heaven and he was born as a baby in that manger in Bethlehem, he laid aside his Godhead and he became a man like you and I. He had to be that. He couldn't, he couldn't do what he did without laying aside who he was in God. So how he functioned on the earth and everything you read in the Gospels of Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, all of those things you read about Jesus, he did like you and I would do them. He didn't have supernatural power lest he draw on the presence of the Father the same way we draw on the presence of the Father. So all through the gospel you hear these phrases and I could have put the scriptures up and I could have read them to you but I'm not going to. I'm going to just tell you. It, It says things like this. He went away by himself. He went up onto the mountain to pray. He left the disciples and went over here. You see, what was he doing? He was putting himself into the presence of his father. He was basking in who God was to him in those moments. He was filling his tank that he could live and do what he needed to do the rest of the 24-7 on the earth. The same as you and I. You see, when we're filled with his presence, then he moves in and through us the same way that he did with Jesus. Jesus could not have done it without the Father moving through him. And we can't do it without his presence moving through us. Jesus manifested the greatest commission continuously by living from the Father's presence. You can't think of him as God walking on earth doing all these things. You have to see that he was man doing all those things the same as you and I. We tend to think he was different, but he was God. He, like he had this inside line to heaven. But it's the same inside line we have. The same. So I want you to, 
I want to show this to you in Hebrews 2.17. I'm just going to read the first verse. It says, uh, part of the verse, it says, Therefore it was necessary for him to be made in every respect like us. He was made just like you and I. So as I share what he did and how he lived the, good, the great commission out, it's the same way that you and I live it out. He functioned from walking in the presence of his father. So God took me to the book of Luke and t- to show you what I'm talking about. And each encounter that he had in the book of Luke was, had different results. And they were not scheduled encounters. He didn't say, today is uh, the day I'm going to go out and fulfill the Great Commission. He was living life, and in the midst of living life, he functioned fully in walking out the Great Commission. And church, we are called to, in everyday life, to live out the Great Commission. Everything that I share with you, these were not scheduled encounters. They were chance encounters if you want to say chance, because it says the Father is at work in every detail of our lives. He's at work. And how, just how he took a 17-year-old boy longing for ice cream to stop in a particular town to go into a particular ice cream that he could present the love of God to a woman who was in pain, that she might know that there was a true living God. That's what I'm talking about. You see, God is setting up in our lives those kind of things continuously. Sometimes we're not awake to them. And this morning, I want you to understand that you, living from the presence of the Father, can do the same things that Jesus did. So, it starts in Luke chapter 18, in verse 35. So, Jesus and his disciples were on their way to Jerusalem. So they were headed somewhere with a purpose. He had actually just gone through this thing of telling them that he's going to be, be betrayed, he's going to be dying, he's going to, all these things. He just shared with them, and they're heading to Jerusalem. And they're, on, they're heading in towards Jericho on their way to Jerusalem. And it says, there was a blind beggar was sitting by the roadside, and when he heard the crowd approach... He asked, hey, hey, you, you, what, what's, all, what's all the commotion? What, what's going on? Come on, somebody tell me what's going on. He wanted to know because he could hear the sounds of all of that. He didn't see what was happening, but he could hear. And he knew that the only time that he was going to get money in order to finish living his life was to beg when there was people near. So he tried to sit in places where there was travelers coming. And he heard the commotion. And so he's trying to find out, what is this all about? And someone says, it's Jesus. Jesus, they said, Jesus the Nazarene is passing by. And Jesus is passing by him. He doesn't, Jesus doesn't see him and stop. He's passing by. And then in the midst of that journey, the blind beggar shouts, Jesus, son of David, have pity and show me mercy. And in front of him, the crowds are like, be quiet. Stop yelling. Stop it. They're trying to quiet him. They're like, you are of no importance. You have no value. You are a blind beggar. And we don't, we want you pushed aside and out of the picture. But Jesus sees it different. And he hears the voice of the father. This one's for you, son. 
This one, this is an assignment I have for you. And in the midst of his journey to Jericho, he stops and he encounters this blind beggar. And he says to him, what is it that you want? And he says, I just want to see. I just want to see. And Jesus says in verse 42, now you will see. Receive your sight this moment, for your faith in me has given you sight and new life. That Greek word means both healing and salvation. So in that moment, on that journey with his disciples, heading towards Jerusalem, in the midst of all that he knew was coming, he knew what was going to happen to him. And in the midst of his grief of what was coming, He hears the voice of the Father because he lived from his presence and he knew that this was a moment that he was to be used. You see, in our busy days, amongst people we don't want anything to do with, on people that we walk by and don't even see, there's a voice of the Father trying to speak to us, saying, hey, this one's your assignment. This is what I want you to do. And maybe it's as simple as praying for a leg that shows the love of the Father to someone. Maybe that's all it is. Maybe it's giving them something. Maybe it's praying over them. Maybe it's just listening. I don't know, but God has assignments for you, church. And it's time that we live the Great Commission, which says that we hear what the Father's saying and we do it. And so, instantly... It says he could see. It says his eyes popped open and he saw Jesus standing in front of him and he shouted loud praises to God and he followed Jesus. Do you understand how radically his life was transformed in that moment in two ways? He was no longer needed to be a beggar and he no longer was an outcast. He was a king's son. He became redeemed in that moment because Jesus heard the voice of the father. You see, the voice of the Father speaking to you. I actually believe he's probably speaking to us all the time, every day. That assignments are set up for you. There are people that only you can touch and only you can reach. And you have to be aware of it. But if you do not spend any time in the presence of the Father, we miss that. You see, the father saw this man before Jesus came near. And the father saw a heart ready, ready for redemption. And so he whispered to the son, there's a miracle coming. The great commission happened in that moment. Mission impossible became mission possible. And so he's he's on his road. He's on this road. And because of this miracle with this man, the crowds are pretty stirred up. Did you hear? There's a guy. You've got to find him. He, he just he couldn't see. He's been sitting by that road every time I've gone past for years. And you should see him. And so there's people being added to the crowd. It's growing and it's loud. And, it's both, and they're heading into, into Jericho. And he's on his journey through Jericho to Jerusalem. And there's a man 
that is not found anywhere else in the scripture except for in this place. And if you were a child, you probably sang the song about Zacchaeus, a wee little man, a wee little man was he. He climbed up in a sycamore tree for the Lord he wanted to see. Do you remember that song? We sing that song. But he was a real man. He was what they called the chief tax collector. That, that phrase isn't used anywhere else in the scripture. And people hated tax collectors because they were considered traitors. They were Jewish people who gouged the Jews for money to give to the Romans so that they could live better. And they, they, they cheated them. So nobody liked him. And this particular man, Zacchaeus, was very short. And he had heard the crowds and he had asked and he knew Jesus was coming. And he's desperately wanting to see him. And he realizes that no matter what he does, there's no way that he can see him. So he runs ahead and he climbs up into a sycamore tree. And he climbs up so that he's going to be able to see this Jesus. And Jesus is just walking along, minding his own business, heading to Jerusalem. And all of a sudden he stops. And I want you to understand something that... A word of knowledge had to come in play here because he'd never met this man before. He didn't know who he was. And the father told him, there's a man in the tree named Zacchaeus. And he looks up and he says, Zacchaeus. Zacchaeus. He said, I have a mission to come to your house today. Come on down from the tree and take me to your house. And they make this journey and they go to his house and they have dinner together. And in the midst of this, this man gets saved. He is so saved and so transformed that this is what he says. If I've stolen from any, I'll give four times back what I've stolen. And the people, the church, do you know what the church said to Jesus going to Zacchaeus' house? He's going where there's sinners and publicans, sinners. He's going into the house of the unsaved. Oh, oh. That's what they said. That's what the church said. And Jesus said, hey, I'm coming to your house. My assignment is to go to your house today. Stop my progress to Jerusalem. This is more important. I have an assignment. And he goes there and Zacchaeus gets saved. And Jesus says an interesting thing that has to be in the depth of our being as far down as we can think of it. And it's this. He says, the son of man has come to seek out and to give life to those who are lost. And that is what needs to be inside of us. The great commission to see the lost. That Jesus came to seek out and save those that were lost. You see, he knows about the ones on the side of the road He knows all the ones that Camille deals with in her bus stop ministry. He knows them by name. He knows where they've been and what they need. And he wants to work in their lives. And we are encountering people every day. And Jesus is wanting to seek out and save those that are lost. And if we want that to happen, if we want to live with purpose, if we want to have an impact... Like Jesus did in the earth, we need to make the presence the priority that Jesus did. Because it's only out of presence that all of that understanding and all of that 
those things come to us. You see, when Ruth is involved, that's my name, Ruth. In what Ruth thinks is important, I'm not thinking about what God's thinking about. I'm only thinking about what I want. And I don't hear much from God. But when I wake up aware of who God is and what he wants to do in my life and what he wants to do through me and I'm filled with the presence, then I hear the voice of the Father saying, do, do, do this, go here, say this. And every time I do it, there's astounding results. Like the woman in the ice cream shop being healed. You see, when we follow what the presence of the Lord is encouraging us to do, it's crazy beautiful. Jesus says this, and he's, I found three of them, and I'm going to show them to you because I want you to understand this. In John five nineteen, Jesus answered and said to them, Most assuredly, I say to you, the son can do nothing of himself. Ruth can do nothing of herself. You can do nothing of yourself. But what he sees the father do for whatever he does, the son also does in like manner. You see, Jesus said, I only do what the Father shows me to do. There were people everywhere that needed things. But God looked and he saw the moment that they needed the voice, the moment they needed the touch, the moment they were prepared and ready. And he highlighted to them. And Jesus touched them and they were healed. Why did Jesus stop the widow with the casket with the the boy that had died? Why did he do that? Because he heard the father say, this wasn't his time. Raise him up. And Jesus said, you know, he touched the woman and he said, it's okay. And he sits up out of the casket. That was the father saying, hey, do this. In John 5, 19, and I'm reading from the Passion Translation, it says, so Jesus said, I speak to you eternal truth. The son is unable to do anything from himself or through his own initiative. I only do the works that I see the father doing, for the son does the same works as the father. I'm going to skip that last one. So the great commission that go ye into all the world and preach the gospel, it's fulfilled as we do what the father shows us to do. And that comes from actually being in his presence and getting to know him. So maybe you're saying, okay, so how do I live from presence? How, how does that work? Our, you see, our true nature and our true personality will never come to the fullness without his presence. Who I became as I begin to sit at his feet and begin to understand and know him, I changed who I was. And it changed what I was able to do. You see, the Great Commission is a partnership. That takes a big load off, right? You see, when a yoke was on two oxen, they always had one that was really strong, and they'd put a weaker one with it. And as they worked, the one pulled the load. And you're yoked with Jesus. You're yoked with him, and he pulls the load. And he'll show you what the Father is saying and doing. It's a partnership. 
the Spirit of God living within you, moving you, filling you, inspiring you to step out. He whispers into our heart if we're listening. But it's interesting. He's a guest with an agenda. Did you know you have a guest living in within you with an agenda? His agenda has always been to live in partnership with you. To bring heaven to earth through you. To bring heaven to earth through you. He wants the world to actually know him through you. You are called to be his hands and his feet and his smile and his love and the list goes on and on. So our goal first and foremost has to be to be presence-centered not only in ourselves, but in our church, in our family. Our family needs to be present-centered. Think about what that involves, living present-centered. Psalms 91 declares you can dwell. It says you can dwell in the secret place of the Most High and, and abide. Doesn't that mean live, abide, under the shadow of the Almighty? That's available to you. You can live there. You can choose to live there. You can discover his, his nearness. You know, his very name means presence. It says in Matthew, and he shall be called what? Emmanuel, which means what? God with us. His very name means with us. So I want you to look at a verse in Proverbs with an assignment towards living in the presence. It's found in Proverbs 3, 5, and 6 in Probably some of you even have it on your wall. I don't know. You probably heard it a lot. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Lean not into your own understanding and all your ways acknowledge him and he will direct your path. It was one I learned as a child. But I want you to hear it from a little bit different perspective. So let's break it down. You can acknowledge him when you trust him. Right? As it's trust in the Lord, right? I asked you this morning, do you actually trust him? Do you trust what God might do in and through you? Do you trust him? You see, if you can trust him, then you can, then you acknowledge him. think about this the one we trust above our own existence is to be recognized in every aspect of your life that's what acknowledging is recognized in every aspect of your life do you practice acknowledging him throughout the day do you wake up with an awareness oh good morning lord i see you didn't leave me during the night you're still here i'm feeling kind of Hum, hummed, humdrum today, Lord. I'm acknowledging that you're there and that you can meet me where I'm at. You see, he already knows what you're thinking and feeling, so it's okay to be real with him, because he already knows. You acknowledge him while you're washing the dishes. I really need you today. I'm feeling the load of my children. I'm feeling the load of my grandchildren. I'm feeling the load of my church. I'm feeling the load of my work. I really need you. I can't do life without you. And you acknowledge him at the table and you acknowledge him at, as you're mowing the lawn and you acknowledge him as you're driving the car and you acknowledge him throughout the day. You actually say, okay, 
at least 10 times during the day, I'm going to take a moment and I'm going to actually acknowledge him. Acknowledging him in the daily grind as well as the mountaintop experiences. It's easy to acknowledge him when things are great. Woohoo! Yay, God! Go, God! But what about when this was really a tough week? What about those places? Do we acknowledge him? You see, as you acknowledge him in all those places of awareness of him grows and begins to develop. You begin to begin, oh, he's here. Oh, yeah, he's here. Oh, yeah, God's here. He's, he's working. He wants to be in me and move through me and use me and speak to me. You see, acknowledging him develops relationship. That word acknowledge, it actually means to know. Let's get real real. It's like Adam knew Eve. To know. He knows you. That's what acknowledge is, to know him. It's bigger than head knowledge, and it's bigger than our experience. It's about knowing our God through encounters. Because every time you encounter him, it changes you. It literally changes who you are and how you feel and what's going on you in your life. If you never encountered him, come up and I will pray for you after the service and he will encounter you and you'll be wrecked. You see, something beautiful happens as we begin to trust him enough to acknowledge him throughout the day. You begin to know him and experience him until a shift happens and you begin to encounter him with his fullness. You see, experiences lead to encounters. Encounters bring expectation. He becomes more tangible to those who look for him with expectation. I want to read that verse I read to you, Proverbs 3, 5, and 6. It's paraphrased by a man of God. And it's the, it says this, In every part of your life, recognize him until he, it becomes a personal encounter with him. He'll make your life better. Faith to discover, to go after the presence of God will bring breakthrough. His perspective spoken to us personally actually changes our perception of ourself and our situation. I saw this quote by Bill Johnson. I thought it was fascinating. He says, the presence of God upon us is always due north. <laughs> Don't you love that? I guess. <laughs> that went over like a lead balloon. Um, it tickled me. <laughs> so one of the benefits of living your life from his presence is the presence of God. And your life will deal with your fears and anxieties. And you can't tell me you don't have fears and anxiety. I've seen it on your face. That act, those fears and anxiety that actually block your access to his answers. His presence makes you not only able but willing It's time, church, to live God's presence as a priority. Where do you begin to live life from his presence? Acknowledging him throughout the day. It's interesting, a verse from Psalms 16.8, look at this. It says, I have set, and I learned in English class, set means to put or to place, okay? I have set the Lord continually before me. I have set the Lord continually before me. 
Do you do that? Do you set him continually before you? Continually is always. Begin to acknowledge his presence and continue his presence continually throughout the day. It actually is life-changing. Being aware of him. Being aware that he is in you. That he's partnering with you. That he wants to speak to you. He wants to speak through you. So this message began with Mark 15, or 16, 15. The Great Commission. Go into all the world and preach the gospel. And that is accomplished by living a lifestyle of presence. Being aware of him. And he sets you up for success. All of that. He's prepared the way he's with you. He is wanting to partner with you to win the world, church. He didn't say, you go win the world. He said, we'll go win the world. Every encounter with him prepares you for the next encounter. It's almost like a stepping stone. The more you understand, the more you gain, the more you grow, the more you move, all of that. You are the walking expression of Jesus on earth, called to do greater works than he did. So, I told you that verse, go ye into all the world. Do you know what the end of the Great Commission says? Look at this, Mark 16, 20. It says, so the apostles went out announcing the good news everywhere. So Lighthouse Church went out announcing the good news everywhere. As the Lord himself consistently worked with them. The Lord himself is consistently working with you. And read that last one validating the message they preach with miracle signs that accompanied them. That's the results. What did Jesus do? He lived in the presence. He stopped when he said he touched the eyes and the eyes popped out. He looks up into the tree and he calls Zacchaeus by name and he comes down. And a man is saved and transformed in that much time and that's what God is asking for from you moments like that day by day moments where you speak you lay hands and pray for a leg that hurts and the atmosphere in that shop shifted and Jesus was introduced as a good God that loves him in that moment and If God went that far, he's going to take her all the way. You can be guaranteed it. Is there anything better than this promise that he said? Validating their message, they preach with miracle signs that accompany them. Wow. So this morning I was praying and I was journaling and I was encountering the Lord that I could be ready to stand before you this morning. And he said this to me. He says, as you, and he's talking to you and me, as you listen and follow, amazing intersections will occur. Are you ready for some intersections? As you listen, moments will become miracles. Random encounters will become moments of destiny where I love in the lives of those you meet. I actually go before you, making a way where there doesn't seem to be a way. That's a word of the Lord to you this morning. So church, you are sent. 
You are sent. The Great Commission says, go ye. You are the ye. Into all the world. The world you live in. Yes, maybe he'll send you to Africa. I don't know. But he sent you to Walworth and Williams Bay and Delavan and Genoa City and Janesville and Denver and Milwaukee and the places that you live. Oh, we can't leave Zinda out. And Zinda. Where? Oh, Fontana. Get him, God. Get him. And he wants you to partner with him. To see a world transformed. One person at a time. Won't you stand with me? Whenever you see formal uh, military things or even of commissioning, there's something that is pretty formal and important, and I believe God wants to commission you today. Commissioning you to walk in his presence, that you can fulfill the great commission with him. And so I encourage you to just put your hands out to receive from him. And I'm going to ask my husband to come and Pray a prayer of commission over us as the body. Father, we praise you so much today because you chose us and you have commissioned us to go in your name and not to go alone but to go with us Lord doing those signs and wonders and miracles and so right now we accept your commission we receive it Lord and we say yes yes Lord yes Lord and we thank you so much that you've trusted us and called us to work beside you give you praise and glory and honor forever in Jesus mighty name. Amen. Amen. Hallelujah. Put your hand in your heart this morning. The Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face shine upon you. Well that's good. I like that. Make his face shine upon you. Hallelujah. I like that really. I'm going to quit there. That's just so good. God's going to make his face shine on you today. Everywhere you go, he's going to make his face shine on you. Sun's coming out. Yeah. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Say say amen. Amen. That's good. Let's go in his presence today and let his face shine on us. In Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you.